Hi, everyone. Welcome to the V-Shape Podcast. I'm Katie. I'm here with Tyler today. Hi, everybody. We are coming in on wrapping up the season. I think we only have a couple episodes left of 2023. So I really can't believe that, honestly. Uh, But here we are. Here we are. Are you ready? Still here. (laughs) Still here. Ready for next year. (laughs) Um, I'm going to jump right in because I have some good questions for our guests today. Uh, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Our guest today is Brittany King. I'm going to read her bio and then she's waiting for us. She's ready for my question. So Brittany is a life and career coach, fitness instructor, and the voice behind the Positively Real podcast. Specializing in working with high-achieving women who sense a gap in their fulfillment, she provides a multifaceted approach to personal and professional development. Don't mistake her for just another goal-setting guru. Brittany's mission is to help you turn your most audacious dreams and ideas into reality. Through her podcast, she offers actionable tips and relatable stories that make navigating the roller coaster of life a bit more enjoyable. Her coaching toolbox is filled with techniques ranging from breathwork and mindset shifts to building nervous system resilience, offering a well-rounded experience that is as unique as you are. Brittany herself has flipped her script and is living a life beyond her wildest dreams. She knows what it's like to be stuck in those uninspiring places and has transformed her own experience into a more responsive, less reactive way of living. Brittany goes beyond the surface level solutions. She helps you get to the root cause of your stress and overwhelm, enabling you to pursue what you want in life with confidence and ease. Say goodbye to the never ending hustle. Brittany teaches you a new approach to achieving your desires without feeling exhausted or burnt out. The end goal? to offer you a space where you can grow in your career, your relationships, and most importantly, within yourself. Yes, you can have it all, and Brittany is here to show you how to reinvent success on your own terms. Hello, Brittany. (laughs) Hey, give us all those answers. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? We're great. I'm going to jump right in. Now, I I do believe everybody does the work they do today for some reason or another. So walk us through that journey. How did you get to do, how, how are you doing this work? Why are you doing this work? I know that question is, there's, it's so interesting because I feel like it's just, there's all these different phases of my life. And the work really started when I was in my early 20s. I feel like that's where a lot of people kind of have these like coming to Jesus moments, like what am I doing with my life? And I was following the path that everyone told me to follow, you know, like go to school, get the job. And luckily for me, I was sitting in the job that I was thought I was supposed to be in. And I was looking around at all the teachers. I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. And every teacher was so burnt out. They were so burnt out, so stressed out, so overloaded. And I could not see myself there. I couldn't see myself there and it was freaking me out because I was like, what am I supposed to do? And so that really sent me on a personal development journey because I knew that I wasn't meant to be in the classroom, but I had spent all of my, I went to school to be a teacher and I was so afraid of looking bad and people asked me what I'm doing with my life and I wasn't doing what I went to school for. Um, So I ended up at Lululemon which at the time wasn't a very big company and they are all about developing human beings. And they're selling stretchy pants, but behind the scenes, they're developing people to be leaders. And so I learned about goal setting and visualization and vision boards and values. And so that just became 
my life. I was obsessed with all things goals, all things personal development. And that led me into becoming a fitness instructor and facing my biggest fear, which is being up in front of people and using my voice. And so I became a fitness instructor and started training other instructors and reached a ceiling in that career. And I had nowhere to go. I was, again, kind of at this breaking point of, wait, I like carved my own way, but I'm stuck. I wasn't growing and I didn't think I had any skills that I could actually use um, outside of being a fitness instructor. And someone planted a seed in my mind about coaching. They're like, well, have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, what's that? Like, it's what you do on the bike, but off the bike. And it blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? There's a world that exists where I could do this all the time? And so I just continued to follow the breadcrumbs. That's kind of how I've described my whole entire life is just these breadcrumbs that keep showing up. And I worked at Lululemon for eight years. And so that was my world. I didn't realize that the world outside of that wasn't connected to their values, wasn't doing goal setting, didn't know what visualization was. I thought that everybody knew. And so when I started teaching people this stuff, they were mind blown. And I was like, wait a second, you you've never done the work to connect to your values. You're not living in alignment with your values. Like it just didn't make sense to me. And I realized I was like, wait, this is just because it's something that I do doesn't mean that everybody's doing it. So I just kept following that intuition, that little nudge, because I just kept hearing the voice. This can't be it. There has to be something more. And I remember this one specific moment at my job. I was managing the studio. I was training the instructors. I was teaching 10 classes a week. And I asked for a raise. I spent a long time getting up the courage to ask for a raise. And the owner, my boss, just laid into me. He was like, you are 27 years old, Brittany. How much money do you think that you should be making? There's a line of people that will take your job. And I just remember shrinking to the size of a raisin. I had never had, I mean, that blew my, like it just, I was so, even just talking about, it, I can feel my system getting activated because that was such an imprint on me. And I remember leaving that meeting being like, no one's ever going to determine my value. And if the solution is for me to teach more classes, to make more money, that's not going to work. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to figure something else out. And that's what led me in to coaching. It's like, I want to share what I've been learning and I can't do it in the container that I'm that I'm currently outgrowing. So I just kept following the breadcrumbs, following the breadcrumbs. And I just put it out there in the world. I just didn't realize that I had people that were paying attention to what I was doing. And I put it out there. I got certified as a nutrition coach. I was doing it for myself. Then I got certified as a holistic coach for the mind, body, spirit. And it was really just for my own understanding. So then once I had that certification, I just put it out there. And the response was overwhelming. People were waiting to work with me. They were like, I want to know. I need accountability. I need help with my nutrition. I need help with my mindset. And it just overwhelmed me to the point where I was like, this is actually what I'm supposed to do. And so I took the big scary leap. I left my... I left my job. I quit um, without talking to my partner. I just had this moment where I was like, I have to quit. I can't do this anymore. I need to go full time into coaching. And we weren't married yet. And I remember him pulling me aside. He was like, hey, I believe in you and I know you're going to do great things, but we have to make these decisions together. You can't just say you're going to quit your job when we're like creating this life together. Mm -hmm. 
So that really lit a fire under my butt because it led me to this place where there was no turning back. I wasn't going to go back to what I was doing. I knew in my bones what my purpose was. I was meant to help people. I was meant to help them transform themselves from the inside out. I was doing that in my spin classes and I was ready to do that at the next level. So it really led me to this place where I'm at now to show people that it doesn't really take a lot. Like I don't have any special, I say that I'm not a special snowflake. I say that we all are special snowflakes. I don't have anything that someone else doesn't have. I just get to show them that they can create the life that they want to create as well. It just takes that commitment and that determination and the willingness to get uncomfortable with the discomfort and just be okay in that space. And it's really hard to do alone. You can't do it alone because you end up going back to what's familiar and what's safe. And I could definitely attest to that because there were many times that I tried to go back to something that was familiar because that unknown was so scary for so long. So what I hear you saying is that uh, at one point you you may have been asleep at the wheel and living a life that others thought you might, that you should maybe live. And that one day you started following these breadcrumbs that led you to a life of your of your own fulfillment, of your own purpose, of your own passion, regardless of what the outside input was telling you. You were like, I got to just do my own path, regardless of what I quote unquote should do. I had this moment the other day where I was supposed to go on a hike with a friend. This is like reminding me of the story really quick. But such a good example of it. I was supposed to go on a hike with a friend. My dog needed exercise. I had not moved my body a lot that week. And then it started raining. And she was she was like, I don't know, like, should we go on the hike? And I was like, well, I don't really want to hike in the rain. And then I thought, well, you should. And then I went, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to hike in the rain. And I just gave myself permission to just do what I wanted, not what I should. And I think that that's what you did is you were like, I'm just going to do what I want and not what I should. And I think that it's very hard. I could barely do it on the hike. So it's scary for people to think about doing that with your whole career or your whole life. But I share that story because I do think it takes little repetitions like that to say, am I doing and I should or am I doing I want? Those are very different scenarios. So thousand percent. I think I always say I'm like we have to stop shutting on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know, since you start working with people, what is the commonalities that you see of people coming in that are preventing them from taking those steps? Right. Like you said, you start from within and you and you work outward from there, which is fantastic. So what do you see that typically people come in with that's just like holding them back from, you know, living their own authentic life? I mean, the number one thing is fear. It's the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. It's that uncertainty. I work with a lot of high-achieving women, and they need to have the whole thing laid out for them. They need to know every single step to make sure that it's a safe bet. And I think there's that level of fear of failure. But then I also think there's this fear of success as well that comes with it. It's like, well, what if I do create this life that I dream of? Or what if I do create this business or this idea or this project, like what happens then? Mm -hmm. And so that fear just shows up in so many different ways. I always say that fear is the master of all disguise because it shows up as perfectionism. It shows up as procrastination. It shows up as indecision. 
it shows up as confusion. Logic and reason. (laughs) And right. I mean, that was what with my husband, he's leading to my yang, but I'm a risk taker and he is the complete opposite. And I just knew in my body, I was like, I'm meant to do something else. I'm meant to do something more and make a bigger impact than what I'm currently doing. And I don't know what it is. And it was so crazy because now that I look back, I'm like, dang, I had some balls. <laughs> Whoa. Because I didn't have as much support as I have now, but I did. I just had this deep inner knowing and I didn't have to have it all laid out. And so when people come to me, you know, th- there is this level of fear. It's like they're also afraid of letting other people down and what other people think of them to like go down a different path. And usually people come to me because they just don't feel fulfilled. They don't, what they're doing, they've checked all the boxes and they're living the life they should or supposed to. And they're following what they thought was the the golden ticket. I just started with a client the other day and she's like, I, I got to the job. I did all the things. And I, I was like, is this it? Like she literally had this moment and everyone around her was loving what they were doing. And she was like, I need to know what to like, what are they thinking? Because I'm not feeling that way. And, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Everybody's going to have a different experience. And I believe that everybody comes into this earth with a sole purpose, a mission. They come into this earth knowing what it is, but then they forget and they become babies. And then their their purpose is to figure out what that is. And so everybody has this different like blueprint and the people that I work with are get to this point where they're like, I am not living in alignment with what I'm supposed to do in this world. And it's very evident because it manifests in physical symptoms It manifests in mental symptoms. Like it really shows up in ways. And as soon as they get into alignment, all of a sudden those things start to they're less intense or they go away completely. Yeah, well, I think you brought up a really good point that we talk a lot about the fear of failure, but we don't talk a lot about the fear of success. And I said this to Tyler the other day. I don't, something was, everything always is changing in our life. And you're so much better with the change than I am. And I just said, it was something positive. And I said, I don't do good with change, even if it's good. I, I need time. I need preparation. I need nervous system regulation. And so I appreciate you bringing that up because I think there's this thing called self-sabotage that we often do because we have an unconscious uh, belief in the the even the the unknown of what success, quote unquote, success means. So I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's a really important thing to mention that we we do a lot of self-sabotaging when it comes to finding our way. And I also want to remind people that. Finding your way is not like getting it right every time. I think that we're, especially for people who are, you know, suffering from the disease of perfectionism, it's like, okay, I'll find my life's purpose and then I'll do that exact thing and then every step will just go according to plan. And it's like, no, actually, I think what that means is that you have a willingness to explore that. And oftentimes that willingness and that actual journey of exploration means two steps forward, one step back two step forward, one step back. It's not, a, okay, I'm willing, so let's just go. It's 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 the willingness to learn. It's the willingness to explore and fail and succeed and all of it. Yeah. Yes, I mean, that is one of the biggest things that comes up for the people that I work with is they are perfectionist. 
and or they identify as a perfectionist and it really is that underlying fear of needing it to go everything to be just right so it's easy to fall into those tendencies once you do get into alignment with what your purpose is and what you're meant to do and what fulfills you to be like okay well now I need to do it right but it's just all about being onto yourself about those patterns and those tendencies and and a lot of it is just a mask that we wear to protect our true feelings and that feeling, you know, being afraid of success or, you know, fear of success, you know, you mentioned self-sabotage, which is a form of self-protection yeah. because when we hit this upper limit and I call it a success intolerance, where if you have never had that type of success, whether that's the amount of money or level in your career or creating something on your own, it's unfamiliar to your nervous system. And so it doesn't feel safe, even if it's something that you really, really want. It doesn't feel safe. And I've had that experience. I mean, it's like lost count because I'm living a life that I never thought was possible from everything from the relationship to having my own business and where I'm at. I never thought any of that was possible. And to be here now, I constantly have to be working at expanding my capacity to have it. Because if you don't slowly, you can't do it fast. You have to do it slow because if you don't, what happens is you self-sabotage and bring you back to a, a place in your body that feels familiar, even if you don't like it, which ultimately results in what's happening in your environment. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask, uh, this might be an intense question, but I'm ready to ask it. Love intense um, questions. Why do you think women specifically are so burnt out? Oh, well... There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean, if we get to the root of it, it's nervous system. So it's being in a overactive state for a long period of time. So not giving your system enough time to come back down after having a stress response. So we have these like three primary states in our nervous system. There's the team hyper. There's team resilience, which is like home base, and then there's team hypo, and that's under arousal. So that's like to the point where you just really can't do anything. But the reason why women in particular get burnt out is because they're saying yes to everything. They're constantly tying their worth to what they're doing, to their work, to their family, to showing up for the people. And I do believe that there's a form of societal conditioning that has created that. But there is this underlying belief that is like insidious that's like I have to do all of the things for all the people in order to be worthy and I do think it really comes down to worthiness and deserving and so if we just do more and we take on more and we say yes to all the things we be the perfect parent and partner and coworker and all of it then I will be worthy and that's just well it's funny because I, I feel like a lot of women that I know in my life, if I don't know them in a in a in a more intimate way, in a deeper way, I'll be like, How are you? Everyone's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then like the closer I get to people, I'm they're like, Oh, I'm so burned out. It's like the same story with everyone. Yeah. And I and I have been really trying to break down that construct for a number of years now. And it's so funny how I'm like actively doing that, but I find myself in a space of guilt and and, you know, am I doing like I'll give you an example. Tyler took our children to a fair on Sunday. I didn't want to go to the fair. And he was like, I'll just take them. But I'm going to be gone from like nine in the morning till four in the afternoon. I did good until noon or one. And then I was like, 
what was the purpose of this day? Um, I feel like I didn't get anything done. Nobody needed me. Like I started questioning my worth because I gave myself permission to take care of myself and rest for four hours. Like, and I'm a person who is actively trying to break down these constructs. And meanwhile, I was at the fair going, man, if Katie were here, she'd be hating every moment of this right now. It was like raining and it was muddy and it was just crazy. So does it ever leave? Like here I am, a person who's like, work and purpose and passion is to break down these beliefs and pave new paths so that we can all have more rest and ease and mentality shifts in our life Mm -hmm. and I can hardly hang out with myself for four hours on a Sunday because I'm worried 50% of my children's weekend was spent without their mother what a terrible person I am right like letting those like insidious well and there's a couple things with that I think it's like for like that's a big jump you know if you're used to like doing all of the things to go from zero hours to four hours is actually, that's a pretty significant amount of time. So it would just be interesting if there were shorter windows to see okay. if we would still have okay. that same. Res- yeah, because to your system, again, it's like all about safety. And you not being like needed or like doing things is feels unsafe to your system. Even if that's not what you want, you don't want to be on all the time or needed. It's like that disconnect within like what you want and what's actually happening in your body. So being able to regulate your nervous system when you're having those moments helps you get back to that home base. Then you can access your higher thoughts and your higher thinking. The problem is when stress is high, intelligence is low. So we can't have both parts of our brain on at the same time. We have our executive function, which I like to call the CEO. And then we have our lower brain, which is I call the monkey brain because it's the primitive part of our brain. And when one part, when the primitive brain gets activated, a higher thinking goes offline. So a lot of those unuseful, unhelpful thoughts start to cycle through and then you start feeling them in your body. And so then it's just starting to create that cycle and that becomes the pattern that you just become used to. So, so tell me, because a lot of women are listening to this podcast right now. If they, if they ask themselves, am I burnt out? And they're like, well, yeah, I really am. Right. I think a lot of women can identify with that. What would you tell them the first step is? We'll be back in just a moment. We want to make sure everyone knows about WeShape, the company we founded to offer people a different approach to health and fitness. Most health and fitness apps use shame and self-judgment as tools to push you to exercise more so you can lose weight. But at WeShape, we gently guide you towards approaching your workouts as an act of self-care rather than an act of self-judgment. On top of that, we've invested heavily in a technology behind our workouts so we can deliver a personalized workout plan centered around functional movements you can do from home that will help you feel better in your body. If you want to try WeShape out for free, click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com forward slash free where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. And now back to the Feeling Lighter podcast. The acknowledgement of it. Of being like, yeah, I'm at that point. And then it just seems so counterintuitive. But it's like you just want to stop doing the things and giving yourself that space in a way that feels safe to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when when people reach to that point of burnout, it takes time to get back to that home homeostasis, that place of balance in your nervous system. 
And you don't want to just be like, OK, I'm going to get back. Like, I'm just going to take the weekend off and I'm not going to do anything kind of what happened to you at the fair. It like, didn't work. So you have to do it kind of in smaller doses in ways that feel safe to you and your body. Because burnout, when I hear that someone's burnt out, it's just because their system didn't have enough time to bounce back from a stressful situation. And it's all when I say stress, it's our perceived stress. It's not real danger that we're in, but we're constantly looking at our environment, scanning our environment for danger. And then we perceive that as stress. And then that comes into our body and it signals to our body how we need to respond. So if you're constantly under stress, your body, your your window of tolerance gets super small, gets like smaller, smaller, smaller to the point where the window is like so minimal that there's one last thing that happens and then you're completely burnt out. So the way that you build that back up is giving yourself moments of quiet, getting in touch with your body, regulating your nervous system, connecting with breath work, connecting with yourself through breath work. And those little things over time build that window of tolerance back up. I love that you said that. So I got to patch in on the breath work portion here because something that I've done for a very long time is breath work and something that I teach people is breath work. And one of the things that's always interesting to me is how few people are willing to continue doing breath work, right? There's something really strange about it that just feels unnatural to, you know, whether you're doing kind of a faster paced or a slower paced or a time function, people just kind of have a sense of, I don't know if it's a lack of safety, but they just don't see the value in it. And to me, it's the easiest, most free thing that anybody can do anytime to reconnect with their bodies and drop back into themselves. And uh, it just drives me nuts that nobody does it. So I, how do you get people to do that? Because I, I'm really appreciating the approach that you have here. So that's centered around kind of nervous system regulation. It's around safety. And to me, when the when the monkey mind goes a little crazy and we start to have that that perception shift towards a stressful nature of whatever's going on in our lives, fastest way to get back to it, find a breathwork practice you like. Ten minutes later, you're, you're dropped in. So walk me through that. Well, yes. I mean, that's the funny that's the funny thing about breathwork is I think even all the stuff with regulating your nervous system getting back into a place of balance, it's really simple. And I think the simplicity is what throws people off. Mm. It's not easy by any means because it's like you, it takes effort, but it, it's really simple thing. So I think that's the first problem that we come up against is like, yeah, like breath work. And people are like, mm, your breath, we're just breathing all the time anyway. So why would I do breath work? It doesn't make sense. I actually had a couple, I do, I'm a breathwork facilitator and I had a couple of girlfriends come over the other day and her husband was joking like have fun breathing at your friend's house you know like made this whole like side remark because of his thoughts about it um, but the thing about breathwork is in our autonomic nervous system which is everything is automatic and we need it to be automatic because we don't want to be thinking if we're in the middle of the street should I get out of the street or not? If a car is coming, we want to get out of the street. So thank you, nervous system, for being able to, to do all of these functions automatically without us thinking about it. The breath is the only process in our autonomic nervous system that we have control over. And so if everything behind the scenes, like our heartbeat, our heart rate, and everything is just going without us having to consciously think about it, the fact that we can consciously think about our breath is the switch that helps us turn on our system and then turn off our system. And this is really important for heart rate variability because the heart rate variability is the, you know, what's happening in between 
your beats per minute, right? So like that is really key because the higher it is, the more attuned your body is to handle stress. And your breath, doing breath work, helps strengthen that. So, I mean, what I've been learning about breath work has been so mind-blowing because using breath work as an amplifier, something that you have control over to turn on your system, so using the inhale to activate your system, right, within your control. So remind yourself, I'm in control. I'm turning on the stress response but then using the exhalation to relax your body. So it's training your body and your brain when you're faced with a stressful situation. You don't have to think about it. You know if you inhale and then you do a longer exhale, you're going to go back into that rest and digest. And then that allows you to respond to the perceived stress in your environment versus react. Because our reactions, we don't have control over into our monkey brain it's like we're just going to react without thinking because our higher brain is turned off our ceo is the last to know the last to know what's going on but as soon as you can use your breath to get you back into an anchored place then ceo comes online and you can start thinking higher thoughts right so the other day after the uh, after everything that's happening in israel and, and gaza i was on high alert my system was completely activated and i could feel it And so I knew that I was a little on edge, but I just was like kind of sitting with it. I walk into my living room and the the back door is open. And I'm like, instantly someone's in the house. Like I don't even have time to rationalize that it's my dog, like instantly. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go grab my daughter. I'm coming up with my exit strategy. And then I hear this noise coming from the playroom and it sounds like there's someone in there. So now my system is on high alert, but because I'd been practicing breath work for so long, I just gave myself this moment to be like, all right, we're just going to do four balanced breaths and like get back into my body. And so I did that, gave me enough like groundedness, be like, all right, let's just see what's going on in there. It was a balloon hitting the fan and everything was fine. But because my system was already on high alert, I could not have rational thoughts at all. Like they were completely offline. I went into let's like, what's my exit strategy? I got to grab my daughter, like this whole thing. But I just know that if I was already regulated, that wouldn't have happened. But because I was already in an activated state, because I had my breath, I was able to like calm my system down enough to get my (laughs) rational brain back online. This is big. I just want to echo what you said there because it's so important. This isn't just um, a spiritual practice and we're like talking about some, you know, a, you know, ethereal concept here, right? When we breathe high and fast in our chest, we activate the fight or flight side of our nervous system. When we breathe slow and low into our lower abdomen, we activate the rest and digest side of the nervous system. And I believe the research says that you can shift it within about six slow and low breaths. And this for the average person takes about a minute or less. So, you know, something that's really powerful if you're if you're about to make those decisions, it sounds like, and you're feeling that nervous system or you're feeling in that unregulated state, just taking a moment to do that can just be such a game changer for people. And and I just I don't know, I just want to stress that so much because it's such an easy free tool that when you really use it and it really you feel the difference it makes in your life. Um, it's something that you you naturally do over and over again, but it's just getting people to take that first step and make a habit out of it and realize that's a tool in your toolbox that is so quick, so easy, so free that you could do anytime, anywhere. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I couldn't, I definitely, I couldn't agree more. It's 
so important. It's like the repetition of it is everything. And it's because it's like we want to be able to, you know, think about a sports team. You know, they have practices. They have trainings. They do that over and over again. And then they have the game. They have the big event. And you want to have these practices dialed in. So at the big event, the game, you don't have to think about it. It's just automatic. When I was prepping for the birth of my daughter, I got really into hypnobirthing and that was all about breath work. And it created such a beautiful experience for me because of my breath. I did it unmedicated and people were like, how did you do that? And I was like, my breath was my medicine. I know that sounds super woo-woo and out there, but the vibration that it created and it helped my body stay relaxed and not contract, like Mm -hmm. because I wasn't going into a fight or flight response, right, or freeze because the pain is so intense. And I was able to use my breath to keep my body relaxed. I had such an incredible experience. And that's what really got me all like geeking out about breath work because that experience opened my eyes. And I experienced it firsthand. My husband was just like, I don't even know what just happened. But that was insane. Like just so mind blown by the whole experience. And it was all because of my breath. It's a really powerful tool. And I think I love that we've been able to give our listeners like one, this action piece of awareness, because we can't actually move into the tool unless the awareness is there. And I think many of us are very nervous to become aware of some of these parts. Mm -hmm. Because if I acknowledge that I'm burnt out, I'm acknowledging that I can't hold it all. And if I can't hold it all, then someone else has to help me. And if someone else has to help me, am I worthy? Then I'm worthless. Yeah. I mean, it, but it is true. I mean, we, especially women are conditioned that how how well we can take care of other is how we determine our worth and value in a lot of ways. And so it's very hard to, one, even become aware of that because even the acknowledgement of that, our brain wants to go to the next 20 steps of what that actually means. It's like, if I acknowledge that to be true, then what's going to happen? Will my worth be in jeopardy? So I just want to encourage people just to ask yourself that question, like, am I okay? Am I burnt out? And mm-hmm. and don't worry so much about the next steps. I often find that cracking the door to curiosity and just becoming aware is all you really need to do. And then things just kind of unfold from there. So I know it can feel scary, but I think that's that awareness and those que- those questions are really helpful. And then I love that we've already offered a tool of breath work, right? So that when we go into like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? My whole life is meaningless now. How do I, we can, we can have a tool to actually take that first step and to deal with the feelings and emotions that come after that first step. But I know we're running out of time and I got to ask Brittany. I got one more Okay, you go and then I got one. Okay, Okay. go first. So I I heard you say something powerful. I don't want to leave a cliffhanger here um, for the ladies who are listening. You said, uh, earlier, like why why are women so burnt out? And you said um, they 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 have a hard time saying no. They say yes to everything around them because their worth is tied in what they're doing for others. And you know, just having watched Katie's journey and and that moment when you you start saying no, you start realizing that not only is it something that you have to deal with, but you're disappointing the people around you. And a lot of them are not going to like that because you've just showed up for them in a, in a lot of ways that served them but didn't serve you necessarily. So how do you help? women overcome that first step? That's such a good question because that is what we so often come up against of when people are so used to you always being there and showing up and being the yes person. Um, 
I just always come back to like, who would I rather disappoint myself or someone else? And I always think about my daughter too. And I like want to be an example of that for her. And it always just comes down to, I'm going to be there. I am, I am here. This is me. I'm always connected to myself. We're in this for the long haul. And I don't want to live a life of disappointing myself over and over again. So I think, you know, when we say no and we set boundaries, it's always as long as you're checking in with your intention and it's not a way to control or manipulate, but more from a place of love, it will be received like that because it always comes back to our intention. If our intention is coming from a loving, kind place, I always ask, like, what's the most generous thing that I can do for myself and this other person? And it, nine, 10 out of 10 times, it's always, it's like nine out of 10. So we that one time, no, 10 out of 10, it always comes back to like taking care of myself because I know that when I take care of myself, I show up in such a better way for my family and my community. And it's just authentic and it's real and that is so important. I think the ripple that that creates and the example that that creates is bigger than any potential disappointment. And I think we're always just even afraid to say that. And I want to give a shout out to my bestie, Stephanie, because I hung out with her the other day. We were supposed to go on the hike. We didn't go on the hike. And uh, we were just hanging out without children and talking. And she said, she was telling me the story about how someone asked her to do something. And she said yes right away because she just didn't think about it. And then a couple hours went by and she said, I said yes because I wanted that person to be happy, but not because I wanted to do it. And so I challenged myself and I went back to that person and I knew I was going to disappoint them. And I said this. I said, you know, I thought about your request a little bit further and I realized I said yes out of people pleasing. And that is a trait of myself that I'm really trying to work on. And I and I my authentic self is saying, no, I don't really feel up for that right now. So I just want to let you know it's not going to be able to happen. And I thought, what a great way to say to put it on her so that people can be less defensive. She was like, I'm really working on people pleasing. And I noticed that I made that decision from a place of people pleasing. And so just to kind of own your shit a little bit and say, this is a part of me and this is how I've done it rather than no. And then people, you know, it's like saying no is hard. So like how you can say it can mean everything in terms of how the person may or may not receive it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think we should like walk on all egg these eggshells to make sure we don't upset somebody. But I thought it was such a beautiful way that she kind of gave vulnerability into her inner workings of this was my process. And I want to share this process with you because vulnerability shares shows people that you care about them. And the person was really receptive. So I just want to shout out to her. That was a really good, yeah, really good example of like just you can always go back and, and, and have some vulnerability and disclose your process a little bit. Yeah. yeah. In a way, too, you're. I was going to say, in a way, too, she's asking for um, kind of help from that other person, right? And I think that's really important in, in, in conversational language. If we just say no and we put our arms up, then we're going to create that, that you know, negative relationship with whoever we're... When I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say maybe an unpopular thing. Maybe, maybe people won't care. But I also think if, if you check in on those intentions and they're not coming from manipulation, power, control, and it's really authentically just I need to have this... This, this boundary and people uh, don't support that, those people might need to be reevaluated in their life. Because anytime I'm vulnerable and have a really good, meaningful, pure intention, all of the close people in my life are a thousand percent behind that boundary. 
Yeah. So if you have people who are criticizing you and putting you down because you're taking care of self and you're coming from a place of vulnerability and pure intentions, that might be a little clue into uh, some of those relationships. I mean, the, I've, I've had to shift many relationships over the years. It's some of the hardest part of this type of work. Totally. But yeah, I mean, it's part of the process a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that because the reaction doesn't have to do with you and has to do with them. So sometimes when we put up boundaries and that and it is coming from that that clean place and the person's reaction is really big and they're upset, it's always that reminder of like this doesn't have to do with me. That might have created triggered something within them. Something that's been so helpful for me cuz I was definitely the yes gal. And I also do like acts of of service is a love language of mine. I do love showing up. I do love like doing things and being there for people and like giving back. And I do think there's, you know, it's a gray area with people pleasing because there's like that form of I think I'm responsible for your emotions. So I'm going to do this thing to make sure that like your emotions are taken care of and we don't rock the boat. But then there's this other side of it of like feeling connected with people of like, yeah, I want to say yes because I genuinely want to and this is important to me. But something that I've practiced because I am was such a yes gal is let me get back to you because I just need to check because sometimes like I am a yes. And then after like kind of like your friend of being like, um, why was that a yes? I didn't even yeah. have a moment to really think about it. It was just to me, it's an automatic response because a part of me does want to do all the things. I just know that just because I, I just don't want to. I mean, I should do it. So that little sentence of let me get back to you gives me the space to be like, OK, why do I want to say yes? And then getting clear on the intention and then I can respond. And usually that's received really well. It's like, OK, yeah, that's great. And then it's just a more authentic response too. of like I thought about it and that's just not aligned with my schedule or I just don't have the capacity for it right now. Instead of me saying yes and then backtracking, because I was the queen of that. Like, if my girlfriend Priscilla listens to this, she will laugh because she would call me out. She's like, "You need to, you need to check yourself before you say yes to anything." I'm like, "I know." Yep. That's such an important tool to give people because it's so easy just to say yes in the moment, and then when you regret it, is it's very hard to be tactful about removing that yes and doing so without creating damage in the relationship. Right. And then the amount of time that you spend thinking about it, it just like yeah. absorbs so much energy of being like, I don't, I coach people on this a lot too. And I'm like, we're spending a lot of time in this decision that you didn't want to say yes to. You, you import, you pointed out a really important nuance uh, several times so far as well that I think we should just name, which is, you know, what we should say yes to are the things that we want to do out of, out of love, out of service of other. And it's genuine, like, actually, I want to do that because I, I want to show up in this way. And it's, it's a fine line and it's something that you have to kind of spend time with to understand what am I doing from that place of love and service and what am I doing that I think I'm doing from a place of love and service, but I'm really doing because I have a, I'm afraid that you won't like me if I don't do it, yeah. right? And I think that that's such an important thing for people to build a connection with and what that feels like in your body when you're saying yes to something so that you can come from that place and answer from that place a lot more efficiently in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. I think our bodies are full of so much wisdom. And so when we just give ourselves a little bit of space to check in, like we know what a yes feels like. We know what a no feels like. You just have to spend more time with it. And sometimes I'll do that with clients when they're making a decision. I'll kind of do it's kind of like muscle testing. And I'll ask them, like, what does a yes feel like in your body? And a lot of times it's kind of this pull forward. And then I'll ask mm-hmm. them, what is a no feel like? And it's kind of this contraction. 
And I'm just like, that's the answer right there. You don't yeah. have to intellectualize it. Or like you literally just came up with the answer from within your body. Our bodies just know it's constantly trying to send messages to us. And we just have to give ourselves a little bit of that space to listen and to tune in. Well, I think, again, and this will be another episode because we could talk a whole episode about this. I think that it's it's less about the no and it's more about people's reaction to the no. That's really hard because if your whole worth is is predicated on serving other and then what's the opposite of that? It's like disappointing other, right? Mm -hmm. So you're like literally having to like go down a completely opposite path. But I know this work is possible and I know that we can cultivate people in our life that support our our, our, you know, pure intentioned, you know, decisions, right? Again, not coming from the place of control or manipulation, but like, oh, I genuinely don't feel like I can do this. Like, I know that the, we can all figure out a way to cultivate people in our life that offer that support. It just takes time and it takes trusting and it takes trial and error and it takes healing and it takes a lot, but it's it's worth it in the end, I think, for sure. I'm sure you can attest to that with your clients as well. Yes, it's definitely worth it it's you know it's a simple thing but it's not easy it's one of those things where there's a lot of discomfort that comes from it but then over time the more that you do it it's like strengthening your muscles you get better at it and then you realize why you're doing it and it feels more aligned I think just being connected to your values and knowing what your values are too is really it kind of takes away that edge because when you're making decisions from what you value and what's important to you and you don't have to you know, justify it it's just a simple like yeah that's not an alignment and that that can be it and so that kind of someone's reaction to it lets you get to let them have their reaction and you know it's their responsibility to take care of their emotional contents and your responsibility to take up your emotional content so when you keep your side all clean and tidy with your values it's like okay they're entitled to having their emotions and that's okay yeah. I am just not responsible for it anymore and I think that's mm -hmm. one of the biggest shifts to make and that can only happen because that's mindset work right that's beliefs and we love mindset work we're all about that but the problem is when your system is dysregulated and you don't feel safe you can't do that mindset work it's it's impossible because 80% of our nerves are sending messages to our brain. So if we're in that state of dysregulation and we feel like our worth is tied to us, the doing and the saying yes, it's going to be really hard to untangle that until we're in a state of safety in our body. Then we can access our higher thinking and use all of the beautiful mindset tools that are out there to change that belief, to question that belief, to get curious about it and really see you know, where it came from and then be able to change it over time. I love that. Such great, valuable information for our listeners today. I think they'll get a lot out of this episode. Yeah. Before we go, I want to ask you kind of a question that I think is important um, for all of our guests. I'm, I'm actually going to be asking this question for, all, for you and all of our future guests going into the new year. What's an old belief that you have shed that has impacted your life in a big way? What a fitting final question yeah. after that last statement. Oh, man, I I know the the belief and it's so interesting because it will show its sneaky head because I don't think they ever fully go away, at least in my experience. I just get better at being on to myself when they show up in different yeah. capacities. 
Um, but the belief was always, I'm not smart enough. It was mm-hmm. always, and there's like, I have so much evidence from my childhood to prove it, right? And being able to change that belief, it like blew my mind because I started a business. I did all these things. I've created this life and there's no way that I could have done this if I wasn't smart enough. But because I was able to dismantle that belief and it was very sticky and it felt really true. Like I said, I have so much evidence to support that belief. Um, But now it'll show up in different ways, but I'm just so aware of it that I can catch myself when it starts to show up and then I'm able to redirect it in a like much more healthy, productive way now because it used to not be that way. That's beautiful. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because that, those are hard things to say, right? Like, oh, I didn't feel smart enough or I didn't feel... So I really appreciate that vulnerability. I, I hope to use that question as a way for our listeners to see that, every, you know, we can all have the opportunity to have a belief that really dictated the narrative of our life and and shift that belief it's possible. So thank you so much, Brittany. Let our listeners know where they can find you. Um, Thank you so much for this conversation and having me on the show. This was so fun. Um, You can find me on Instagram, Brittany King underscore. My name is not spelt wrong. It is B-R-I-T-T-N-Y, King underscore. And you can also listen to my podcast, Positively Real. That's pretty much where you can find me. I'm hanging out on the gram, sharing these types of tips and insights, but also just having fun and dancing because I believe that having fun is a necessary ingredient to a fulfilling life. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And for all of our listeners looking to get in touch with us, you can reach us at podcast at weshape.com. Or you can go to weshape.com forward slash podcast to give our community and product a try free for two weeks. So we hope to see everyone soon. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, make sure you click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash free, where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. See you next week.